Good afternoon. I'm Peter So with Accenture. Uh, before I go into my background, can I just get a raise of hands? How many of you are from the comms industry? AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, T-Mobile, Copcat, a lot of you. Equipment side? No one from the equipment side. So we can bash the equipment side. Uh, software? Startups? Okay, super. Anyone from consulting? Anyone from Deloitte? Or, ah, okay. There's one. So uh, thanks for joining us uh, and coming here at lunch. And hopefully I won't disappoint you because it is lunchtime and uh, have low expectations and lunch will be better after this. So let me talk a little bit about my background because hopefully it gives a little bit of context. Uh, so like I said, I'm, I'm Peter Sum with Accenture. I'm a managing director, have responsibility for their North America comms industry as well as their network practice. So anything uh, communication sector, so again, the comps providers we talked about is in my uh, purview of responsibility, and then the network side. Uh, like most consultants, I'm not like most consultants who spent most of their career in uh, consulting. So I didn't come out of university and start. I actually started on the comms side. So most of my career has been on the comms side, like many of you guys. I actually started my career in IT and billing, did network, uh, did corporate strategy, uh, did private equity, did the venture fund, uh, ran a couple of joint ventures. Uh, one was where the chairman was Masayoshi-san from SoftBank. And so, so the perspective that I have, and I actually did consulting for the Department of Commerce for FirstNet uh, as they shape their public safety bit. So the lens that I hopefully will talk to you for the next hour about is really woven into those kind of influences and not just hopefully uh, a lot of traditional consulti consulting speak. The other thing I'll apologize is there are a lot of slides and I'm notoriously bad at sticking to the slides. So I'll try to tell more of the, the value in the story and things going forward. So um, for the things that I'll cover is really looking at a little bit at, is it coming up? Sorry, technical difficulty. So while he's doing that, uh, it'll be good because I won't have any slides. Um, you hear a lot of talk about 5G and the impact that 5G is gonna have on the economy, technology, and business overall. But I think it's good to start with the comms sector understand where are they coming from, why is this important, and why is there such a high emphasis on this. If you look at it from an AT&T, Verizon, uh, Sprint, T-Mobile, Comcast, Charter, Cox perspective, overall growth is flat to, you could argue, declining, one. Two, the cost of going after the subscribers is becoming higher. For those who are tied in with bundled services, so again, you look at the cable guys, things of that nature, and they've got the TV packages, you see the churn happening at a very, very rapid rate, right? So you've got a lot of chaos in the system, but you've got some stability from a pricing perspective. So the margins overall are roughly in the 30% area tied into it. So you don't see a lot of pricing wars. So why does this tie in there? 
I have no slides. So, um, so I'll stick to this. So, so here's the thing that you'll find is uh, on the consumer side, the, the CAGR that they believe, that a lot of comms providers believe that they're going to hit over the next period of time to 2022 is circa in kind of that 40% range. And on the enterprise, in the mid-20% range. Why do they believe that? What, what does 5G kind of enable them to do in this area? You got to keep in mind, again, from a, if their margins are kind of flat in those areas, you're not getting a lot of new growth. So you got cellular penetration close to 100%. Then the bid is, can I get penetration 3x that? So can I get more penetration through IoT devices in the home, things of that nature overall? Okay, we're back on. So this shows you some of the, the growth slides in this area. The other bit that you have struggling with it is when you talk about EBITDA margins, is the cost structure overall. So this is kind of simplified, tied into this notion of where's the cost for building out a network. And what you find on the left-hand side, the highest costs are on the RAN side, uh, both from a RAN uh, transport, RAN construction, and then the core costs overall, which you see. So then you've got third-party networks, personnel, operating budget. So the bit of it is, where's the savings? Can you have that? How, where can you move these things when pricing is changing so radically overall? The other thing that I would say from a transformation perspective is if you look for a wireless LTE call right now, fully loaded, circa around three US dollars per gig overall, right? If you look at it from uh, a hardware physical cost per gig, four cents per gig. So the, the tension that you have running from it is you've got Apple Arcade, you've got Google Stadia, looking at basically taking what was on a PC, Mac device, GPU, RAM, circuitry boards over that, and spreading it over a network overall. How are you going to do that? How are you going to drive those type of solutions? And does 5G enable you to do that overall? I think for us, the, the bit of it is 5G represents not necessarily the technology disruption that at all, but it creates a business model innovation opportunity for us. And so like what AWS has done and what Amazon has done, I, I remember when I started my career in data centers, in billing, people would be like, you've got to own the four walls. You've got to own the physical. That's how you differentiate in those areas. And what AWS and Amazon's proven is that's a fallacy overall. Since many of you are not equipment guys and many of you are from the comms side, the thing to think about as well is for AWS, for cloud computing with 5G, does that paradigm still hold? Can you do the same type of solution? And I think 5G enables that, and frankly, the technology overall allows that to be done. So here's kind of a, a classic consulting chart overall that talks about, in a 5G world, what are the things? You've got the wearables, you've got the clouds, you've got Internet of Things, crowdsourcing, and then you start looking at it from a standpoint of, but what underpins and support those things to the right? Open source technology, security, self-healing networks, analytics, and just the mobility side. Another part of my career was doing uh, security overall. And as many of you guys know, some of the biggest security holes and gaps have been created by IoT devices overall. So if you think about the permutation and pushing and the pervasiveness of this, if I have those services on the right, 
what are the services on the back and side of the left that I need to deliver those things? And what are the opportunities that that creates for you one? In the center of this circle is this pervasive network. And as I talked about before, mobile edge computing, NFE, SDN, is really what's going to be about the game. So again, the, the, the paradox of it all for 5G is, for 5G to be successful, you need a hell of a lot of fiber, a lot of fiber to deliver those things. And if you think about the content and the consumption of the content is, I want to have it pushed to the edge as much as possible to control that environment. And if you think about it from a security perspective on some of these devices, do I want to keep it in certain firewalls, both from a consumer perspective and from an enterprise perspective overall? And so we're hearing that over and over again. So then if you start thinking about those things, it starts raising the question of, is it really kind of a traditional model of developing, or is it kind of a platform that's growing from this overall? Um, this is just kind of a quick one looking at areas of focus, business model, strategy, and use cases. I'll skip over that one. And when we talk about with clients overall, this is probably where, in these six buckets, we spend the most time. And, and one is on spectrum availability. And I'll go back to it from uh, the comms providers. Strategy use cases, device innovation, network deployment, platform innovation, and operational complexity. So let me start with spectrum availability. So many of you guys know from a 5G perspective is there's different frequencies of 5G spectrum. In the beginning of the cellular world on wireless side, it was pretty easy because you had macro sites being developed. And what people used to do is they used to build their networks basically around traffic patterns. So it was around freeways, because you had relatively low spectrum frequency, you had big cells, and you'd blast this out. And what you did is you targeted that towards where people were using the surfaces, which was voice traffic, in traffic, and it happened to be, for whatever reason, Thursdays were the busiest days overall. And that's how you built out your network. Yeah, I know, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. What you're finding now is that peak period is all the time, does not change. And as many of you know, from a millennial Gen Z's perspective, you're moving away from linear broadcasting, you're moving away from voice, and you're going to video IP world overall. So when you talk about a telco model that's been built on this notion of telco grade five nines of this area for voice and standing that up. When people are talking less and less voice and they're doing less and less uh, uh, linear broadcasting and you got time shifted viewing, do I actually need the network the way designed that I had in the past? And can I look about this differently? So again, if you think about from a business side, if I can shift from this $3 per gig model to a lower gig, provide better service, and figure out how do I get from a penetration of one user per device to three or four, that becomes very important. So that's manifested itself in a spectrum diversity or different points of view. Not since in the US that there was CDMA, I don't know if you guys remember that, or GSM. Has there been such a different approach in the U.S. about thinking about 5G? So you've got, let's start with on the West Coast, T-Mobile and John Ledger. And what they're going with is 800 megahertz right now. We'll, we'll call them independent of, of Sprint right now. And so it's a lower frequency. It's going to be more of kind of a traditional software or uh, wireless model. 
So with that lower frequency, he's not gonna have quite as uh, high speeds, but you're gonna have broader reach overall. So my thesis is that what T-Mobile's thinking is, we're gonna continue to play what they've done extremely successful to the millennials and sit there going, millennials are moving from big LCD plasma TVs to their laptops, to their iPads, to their mobile devices. And therefore, I need mobile broadband that goes with them. And frankly, at 800 megahertz, you can probably get 70 to 80 uh, megabits per second downloads in certain areas. So a millennial Gen Z will be, that's pretty good. That works for me. And then let's take the other extreme, the other high side, which is Verizon. So Verizon is going with millimeter wave, which is 28 gigahertz in spectrum. So for the non-physics sides, very high, very fast, very short range overall. So their thesis, and Hans Vestberg, the CEO of Verizon, says he believes 5G will be the fourth industrial revolution. And that's the belief on the set that is, if I can get one gig of speed at that level, what are the possibilities? And you see Verizon push a lot of their campaigns on medical surgery, robotics, things of that nature. So you've got really kind of the two extremes overall. AT&T is kind of playing in between. They've got mixed spectrum overall. Sprint has got an interesting position. They've got spectrum what's at 2.5 gigahertz. So they got 160 megahertz blocks at 2.5 gigs. For those of you who are not familiar with cellular, that's a very interesting in between the two. So it's got obviously a lower range than uh, the 20, or longer range than the 28 megahertz, but much higher data speeds than the 800 overall. So if Sprint and T-Mobile do merge, the combination of 800 and 2.5 become an interesting strategy versus what AT&T and Verizon have. And then you've got the cable companies who are sitting there going, do we play, do we not play in this area overall? And so there's another 5G solution that's out there called CBRS. So there's interest in that. That's the citizen band radio services side, sitting at about 3.5 gigahertz overall. So they're trying to figure out, do they play in that area? So what's the sweet spot? So the whole bit of it is, when I was going to that waterfall diagram on the cost side is, what's my cost for deploying that frequency? How many customers can I add? What are they gonna to add to? And what are they gonna do with that service overall? Because the world that's not pretty for anybody is that you upgrade to all this kit and equipment and you get no lift in revenue, or you get no growth. So you just have costs, and that becomes a harder, harder model to run. So the second phase that we spend a lot of time looking at from a strategy perspective is, so what, is the, what are those use cases? What are people really gonna use, and how are you gonna target it? Because there's not a silver bullet, there's not one solution that's driving it all. You've gotta think about it from a segmentation perspective. And again, our thesis is segments, uh, are gonna give you which frequency you're looking at, what's the solution, and what's the platform that's enabling you overall in that. And then what's the use case, whether it be IoT, you hear a lot about the smart cities, you hear a lot of controversy about when will you have enough deployment in the smart cities, do I actually need 5G in the smart cities, 
what would I use this for? How does Wi-Fi 6 kind of tie in overall to that? Gaming, and if I'm doing 5G gaming from a MMO perspective, that's the multiplayer, the massive ones, I do need really real low, low latency on that. So does that give me the opportunity there? Then there's the notion of entertainment. So if I think about from whether it be a theater or stadium experience, can I go and use 5G in a different way? And the answer is going to be yes, because what you'll see is, and again, Verizon spends a lot of time uh, talking about stadiums. In fact, they're running a commercial campaign right now about stadiums they've lit up from a 5G perspective. Is, is if many of you have gone to a sporting event or a concert event, there's a bit of an irony when you go there. The cellular service is jammed, and the Wi-Fi service is jammed overall. So can you use 5G from a routing and prioritization perspective to have your best customers have a level of service above that overall? Is there enough money in that? From the device innovation perspective, as we talked about, is from a 5G radio perspective, what's that penetration going to be, how fast, and when's it going to move in there? And what you'll find is the first 5G radios and devices that are out there are going to be slightly thicker than your current uh, iPhone or Pixel or Android-based device. Are people going to like that? How many radios, 5G devices, are you going to push in there? Are you just going to push the 5G radio with multiple antennas? Or are you going to bundle that with Wi-Fi 6, other radio technologies overall? Again, um, to be a bit provocative, my view is that 5G is not the end-all, be-all for everything. But what you're going to have is what we call a HetNet strategy, or heterogeneous network strategy, that's going to sit there going, customers, whether they're consumers or businesses, want the lowest cost of delivery of those services for good value at a consistent rate, whatever that is. Which starts segueing you into a bit of the platform and how things play out overall. So the network deployment bit of it is, <coughs> um, because a lot of the 5G, particularly the high frequencies, have small cell, femtocell type of solutions, how you deploy that, where you deploy that, how high you deploy that becomes more problematic. So again, if you think about the waterfall diagram on the radio side and the deploying of these areas, that's one of the highest costs. So you start thinking about, is there a way of deploying this more cost-effectively overall from a radio perspective? And do I need to rationalize that with multiple radio uh, technologies in there? How do I deploy it? And if my original model was building it around freeways and traffic, and if I'm going after segments, who am I targeting? And again, for the, those who are familiar with the radio technology, at the higher frequencies, how am I getting in-building coverage? overall, which becomes a bigger, bigger issue and complexity that traditionally has not been dealt with very, very well. So if you wrap up the four, then it really starts coming to, what, what is a platform? And platform is a bit of a cliche that we use often in those areas. But if I'm kind of blurring the lines that I've been doing in what AWS has done from uh, a data center cloud perspective, then from a 5G network design perspective, we would argue that you're going to see that blurring as well. And you're starting to see trials of that right now. Vodafone in the UK 
announced virtual RAN, virtual core trials. Rakuten in Japan has an architecture that looks at a virtual core, virtual RAN solution overall using cloud-based solutions. The question then becomes, if I've gone traditional and I'm moving to this virtual or cloud-based, what are the operational complexities of this? And how do I manage that going forward overall? So I'll spend a little time kind of digging in this. So if you look at the, the y-axis and the x-axis, so on the y-axis, you really think about enhanced mobile broadband. So again, read that as being what T-Mobile's kind of going after, a lot of millennials and Gen Zs are interested in. It's circa, you know, 80 to 100 megabits per second at a consistent level overall. You've got ultra resolution video, immersive entertainment in there. So again, when I talk about the video sides and the, the size of the video packets, how do I deliver that? And I've got next gen comms and social assistance. So here's where I'd start and basically first set there going from a cloud and platform perspective. How many of those models actually need the highest speed? How much of that can be cached overall and delivered in a different solution? And I would argue quite a bit of this. So if you think about from an AW perspective or kind of the next strategy or edge strategy, pushing a lot of this to the edge side is intuitively makes sense. And it's gonna drive a different architecture. And that's consumer. So think about this, is if you have young kids and they're watching, let's call it grins and giggles, YouTube, Netflix, Disney Plus, all this, theoretically, how much of that would have to be live streamed from servers? Nothing. You could do it from an edge-based solution. You could actually do it in the home. You could actually deliver these type of solutions where you sit there going, at the lowest cost points, I'm gonna push that solution. So what I would argue is what the mech is, is being pushed out overall. And so one of the things that we think from an Accenture perspective is that you're gonna have hyper caching or extreme caching. And again, the notion is if in this world, I'm not talking about circuit-based calls, I'm talking about IP packets. And my worst case is a packet retry. And what's the timing of that packet retry that I have to have? I actually can model a very different architecture overall to drive this solution. And our thesis would be at a lower cost. The ultra-low latency is really, really clearly a lot is what people perceive as kind of the 5G sweet spot. When you think about virtual, real virtual reality, extended reality, uh, the gaming, robotics automation, where are the servers, things of that nature. But again, the, the whole notion of it is when you think about the packets that are being delivered, and let's talk about a, a massive gaming type of solution or entertainment solution or virtual reality, could I actually edge push a lot of those packets and think about the delivery on that one? Currently not today, but you could think about an architecture or a platform that does that differently. And again, that's the notion of being, how could you be disruptive about using 5G technology pushing edge, edge computing overall in this area, too. Internet of Things, massive sensor networks, smart city, uh, non-line drones, 
again, depending upon how your network is constructed, you're gonna have to have a really com comprehensive network. But there's, again, notions of from a plat platform perspective where you can do caching edge type of solution overall. So again, for me, the bit is when you think about it, from a consumer perspective, what's my home experience? And my home actually is gonna have, could have quite a bit cached and stored in that home. So I could push the cloud to the home bit overall and, and design it there. And you could make an argument, hypothetically, from a consumer use case perspective, consumers would want their personal cloud or home behind their firewall, where it's their personal family photos, things of that nature, or videos that they want to keep there, as an example. From a small and medium business, the notion is, if I'm looking at in-building coverage and type of solutions overall, how am I getting those services delivered on top of it? Separate from 5G, but I think potentially that will go hand in glove with 5G, is eSIM-based technology. So those of you who are not familiar with uh, uh, eSIM-based solutions or dual-SIM type of solutions, for your cellular phone, there used to always be the physical SIM that you had in there. In the, in the big days, it was kind of big. Now you've got the micro-SIMs overall. Now you can do that through software overall. So the question becomes from a small and medium-sized business with 5G, with eSIM technology, can I provision services on top of it all? So could I actually go back where I could do short coding? So if you think about Slack and messaging overall from the way Slack is done from a chat perspective, can I do this from a voice messaging perspective in those areas or within a network or push on that and use that technology to drive those things? Again, hope, hopefully that illustrates another type of disruption or platform that can go from that. Enterprise, government, overall. And again, I've, I've got a, uh, I did a couple of years advisory work to the Department of Conference, uh, Commerce for FirstNet. And again, for those who are familiar in the US, the standard is walkie-talkies. Push to talk and those type of solutions. It's actually really unfortunate how many uh, law enforcement, firefighters, ambulance drivers use their own personal mobile device to get data that they need that's critical to drive those type of solutions. AT&T is doing a lot for FirstNet and building out that network. But if you think about local municipalities in that areas, if I can spread that network and provide those solutions and innovation overall, what are the possibilities on that too, right? And then from an industry perspective is how do I think about manufacturing? How do I think about uh, agriculture business? We've actually had an agricultural firm talk to us about how do I use 5G in using it from remote devices, things of that nature. So the question becomes, how do I simplify things? How do I drive these things in a different way at a much lower cost overall? So the next generation cloud for us is what, what I hopefully have talked about is this notion about how do you develop this quickly and try different things overall? So in this model in economics, our belief is trial fast, fail and fire in those areas, right? Try these things. So again, from, from my private equity venture side, think about doing these things very different. 
think about it from the ecosystems about how, who are you partnering with and how is that kind of liquid overall? So you're trying these things. They don't have to be fixed and tied in where they were in the, in the past. Can, your, can you take from a network perspective and actually develop a platform from that? So again, what we talked about is what, what's behind every IP packet that's in there? And how am I capturing that? And what am I doing to do that? And I'm not talking about from a privacy issue per se, but I'm talking about from a cost delivery perspective. How do I get the efficiency? What am I doing that could deliver higher efficiency, better insight, better access to that information overall? There's enormous opportunities from an AI perspective, ML perspective, when you think about this distributed computing model tied in. And you're going to see, because of this software-defined network and this edge-based solution, a higher acceleration of the disruption of those models, right? Which means from a platform side, if you're disrupting it, what's the operating model that you have and how are you disrupting those things overall? What are the things that you could be driving and tying in? From a monitoring perspective, from a deployment perspective, and from a service perspective, if you're thinking about how do I provide higher customer service overall and driving those things. And so for us, one of the things that we're looking at is there's, a, there's a, a term that's used in the industry that many of you will know of, net promoter scores, is how do I use net promoter scores and measure it from a network deployment, management, and use? And can I predict actually what's going to happen because of that? And what we're finding, and we're working with a client, is that 100% that you can. That you can actually look at data on whether there's capacity, whether there's coverage, outages, planned and unplanned. How long does it take for you to do, and how are you recovering those things? What's the perceived performance? When DNS is coming in, there's latency going to be built in, there's going to be retries. So what's the, what's the download speed? So not just the speed test, UCLA bit, but what's the perception of the consumer or the business on that download in there because of DNS configurations, things of that nature? And how does that impact net promoter scores and experiences overall? And if you're doing this model and architecture very differently, do I need the same structure? Do I need the same tools that I had in the past? Because you actually had kind of stop sign monitoring systems. And you, if you really think about it, you need to go much more horizontal about the managing of those type of solutions. So this is my techiest of the tech kind of slide. So what you'll see on the left-hand side is kind of the traditional network model. And on the right-hand side with the five right boxes, you'll really see where we think cloud computing is going overall. So again, our taken view from this is that where you had physical cores, you can actually go to a virtual core model. You can start spreading that information out and think about managing that at a much, much lower cost structure. The bit that's harder to do, so our view is from SD-WAN, virtual core, things of that nature, very easy to prove from an availability, reliability cost structure that it's a much more effective way to go about it. 
The area that becomes really interesting is on the virtual RAN side. And again, radio agnostic. What are, whatever those radios are, how do you drive that? And how do you kind of manage those type of solutions? Because if you go to uh, a cloud type of solution that's managing on the, on the RAN, on the radio access perspective, so you just have the antennas and, the, and then the software that's managing it overall, your cost of deployment, your cost of managed theoretically should improve dramatically. And you can figure out, frankly, what's the kind of lowest cost routing of that type of solution. And it gives you the best quality of service overall. So, so our view is, if you look at the, again, the right-hand side, so think about physical box management, the right-hand side, this is where network deployment is going overall. You're gonna see the virtualization, a lot of fronts tied in there. So for you, if you're a comms provider, is where do you fit in? How are you tying in the solutions? Where are you from an adoption curve, your company, in embracing this, experimenting with this? Or are you behind in that area? And if so, what can you do to disrupt that, to prove this out a little bit more? As many of you from the comms side, and, and again, that's where I started my career, I've been most of my career, is um, it's kind of tried and true and fairly risk averse. People like to be very conservative about it in the solutions because it was designed originally around a circuit-based network, five nines, availability, things of that nature. When you think about this from a redundancy perspective, cost of delivery side overall, this is the model that things are going to go to. And this is how it's gonna be managed. And how you think about whether you're traditionally on a network side or if you're on a services side right now, what are your services that you could push to the edge? And what are the advantages of having those services that tie in there overall? So if you think about it, and I only have two last slides, so we'll probably finish up early if there's not a lot of questions, is really thinking about it is, what's the experience? We often think about it as, I'm just gonna deliver the network and here are my services. But as we go into a segmented type of solution is we need to really start thinking about who are the segments that I'm going after? How do I design a solution that really ties into them and that's really of value to them? So for us, a bit of it is making sure you have that one-to-one -one unique experience overall. As I've talked about many times during this conversation is, do you have a platform strategy or what's your awareness to that? And how do you fit in? So again, where you are in your jobs and what you're doing today, most groups are set up kind of vertical silos. I do one bit of the work and I do a handoff and I lose kind of visibility to that. Our belief set is that's gonna go very horizontal. So understanding how that's being architected, how that's being driven and how you're managing that is gonna be really important to overall. And then from a cost perspective and flexibility perspective, not to be too controversial, is we think people are gonna to move to a partner agnostic core. So again, if you think about uh, from a cost design management perspective, I want that flexibility overall. That's gonna to have to tie in there, okay? So the last slide I'll go into is really thinking about when you talk about 5G overall, where's your organization within the DNA? Is it the skepticism, which is basically, I'll wait to see if 5G really takes off and if there's money there, and then I'll be a fast follower to that. 
because I have skepticism whether it's really going to be there. And I'm not sure about the devices and how does that. Or are you bleeding edge on that side? So know where you are from uh, that innovation perspective. Where do you think you want to be? And I'm not talking about from a technology perspective, but again, from a services perspective is your customers, whether they're consumers or businesses, what do they want? What are they asking for that we, you have not been able to deliver, we have not been able to deliver in the past, and how do you tie into that? So breaking that down, and this again manifests itself when I was talking about earlier about 5G deployment, small cells, things of that nature. Um, you traditionally had network groups who are like, I'm gonna build it out based upon POPs, population coverage, density, things of that nature. If you think again, again, the very high frequency, it's not gonna get you enough coverage to drive that. So you need to start thinking about, if I'm thinking about millennials, where are those millennials? And where do they build out? So we, we, were, we were having a meeting with a, <coughs> a client and we were looking at, for grins and giggles, Experian data. And it was a family of four, early adopters, young kids, and a high percentage that um, were not homeowners. Because if you're going to go with a mobile broadband solution, what you'll find is if they're not homeowners, they're going to 50% move, 46% change their residency every two years if they're millennials, if they're not a homeowner. You would think, and obviously New York's going to be a big city and market. If you look at the early technology adopters and things of that nature, Dayton, Ohio. I have no idea why, but Dayton, Ohio actually has, from a density perspective, cost delivery, a very high model. So again, thinking about what's the data that you have, what's behind, what's kind of driving the solutions in there, helps you kind of look at that. The cultural change is really, for us, is having this mindset that says, this is gonna be very, very different. And again, for you being at Amazon and AWS, you know that disruption model overall. I mean, that's kind of what AWS has been about. The notion of it is, how do you extend that? How do you push that overall? That's kind of the opportunity. And then the workforce, and how do you mix those? And what you're gonna find is, if you're gonna deploy kind of the this cloud-based solution, edge-based solution, virtual core, virtual RAN type of solutions. You need to pull non-traditional resources. You need to pull from your network, traditional network guys who understand the hardware, and you need to find the women, the guys, the men who understand the software side and the traditional IT side, and how can I push that out? And then again, think about it, are, are the tools there that manage that overall? And then from a personal perspective, what are the skills that you have right now? How has it gotten to you, to you where you are in your career, both individually, as a work group, and in a company? And what are the skills that you need going forward? For us, those are the things that you also should be contemplating in this new economy, new world, 5G. And again, 5G for us is kind of a catalyst for the change. It's not the technology the end all be all per se, because there'll be 6G as everyone knows coming forward on this. But it's about using an opportunity because it is driving a very different paradigm overall, okay? So I'm finishing 20 minutes early, but I'll open up if there's any questions. If not, you can grab lunch. Yes? So I, I get that 5G is a 
Well, <laughs> you're asking an interesting question. So AT&T, particularly from a 5G perspective, and there are some lawsuits that tied in there, right? Whether it's true 5G, do they have 5G running there or not? And so the, the 5G that AT&T is pushing for is their 5GE, which is the evolution and migration of those. It depends on their target markets, where they're actually really getting 5G services right now. And unless you have one of the latest devices, and I think one of the earliest uh, providers of 5G is a, is a Samsung within the last year, you're probably not running on a pure 5G radio overall. So again, the blurring of the lines of it is going to be is, but are you getting good, good enough service? And so part of the issue that people are faced with, if you're like, yeah, I'm pretty happy with AT&T, would I pay more for the higher end device? in that area. And then how does that delivery or manifest itself in a way where you're saying, oh, I do have to have the latest because it's providing me with a solution I currently cannot live without overall. So th there's a bit of that. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. So, so let me give you some of the entertainment ones, and then l let me talk about some other business type of solutions, whether I'd say what I need lower latency. So there's a lot of things I don't need. The, the bits are, do I want, or is there enough of a compelling offering for me to say that I want to have this, sure. right? So we were brainstorming with a couple of companies from a 5G experience, and this is really low latency. This is from an experience perspective is, if I 5G a stadium, a theater, or a concert hall, uh, why would I need 5G? And the push would be on from a um, stadium experience, there's a bit of irony when you go to a stadium and everyone looks up at the jumbo screen in those areas, and you get the one view in those areas. In a 5G world with very, very low latency, what if I had access to all 15 camera angles? And I got to pick on that. Do I need it? No. Would I like to have that? Yeah. Be kind of cool overall. So that's one from a stadium sports perspective. Or I'm in a fantasy league, and I want to see how's that person doing, how's my team doing overall in that fantasy league. The other one is from a concert perspective. So let's stay in the stadium. Again, I find it ironic. You go to a concert, and people will put up their mobile phones to take videos. And the video quality is so-so, and the audio is rubbish. What if, and, and the music industry, be very clear, makes their, all their money, the majority of their money, from the concert touring. What if, from a 5G perspective, I could pump in the audio so you could pull that in? I need extraordinarily low latency for that. And they actually have an incentive to want to make that soundtrack available. So if I do like a 15 seconds snippet of Taylor Swift and all that, and it's the highest quality auto, audio, I may sit there where I want to go and tie into that. The third one is going to be, now I'll come right to you, is if I go to a theater, 
Why do people pay $120 to go to an amusement park when they know what the outcome is? It's because they have deep engagement in that area. And what you're finding in, in theatrical releases, it's falling unless it's a franchise title. If I can use 5G from a VR, extended reality, tie-in into the theater side, I may wait. I may do that overall. So those are some examples, right? Yeah, sure. So the, the, the comment and the question is about how do I use 5G from an AI, ML perspective, and where could that help overall? So, so, so when I did um, private equity in a former life, uh, I invested in a company. It didn't work, but it was really interesting. Uh, at Cambridge Don, you know, was, uh, he was the youngest mathematics professor at Cambridge University. And, and his bit was, instead of writing, we're going to do all the calculations in memory. And then from that, we're going to trash the ones you don't need. So from a processing perspective, you can do that as well. You're going you're to definitely find from a latency perspective in certain 5G sides where you have that real-time decision-making versus 15 minutes, hourly, things of that na nature, where it's going to have the improvements. The bid is going to be taking that sampling, whether it's IoT devices, medical devices, agri agricultural devices, things of that nature, in driving those solutions. But there's clear opportunities with that as well. Other questions? Yes? The question is, do we need containers in the cloud, things of that nature? And, and I would argue yes, because what you're going to have is basically uh, you have a cost model that's not sustainable to the operators. So if you can have containers that are extended and pushed to that side that are relevant to that, and you're pushing that container of whatever that container is, uh, and then trashing it or using it and doing that at a lower cost side, it's going to have value. Finding out what that use case is and the segment you're going after and what those containers are that ties it is going to be really interesting. But my belief is, and hypothesis, you'll be able to find a lower cost oper operating model by doing that. Uh, you know, we could probably spend an hour talking about applications. We can chat afterwards on that side, but, you know, our bit is you can see a lot from entertainment, security, different industry sides where those containers would actually have good value. Yes? Yeah, I mean, so particularly the millimeter wave, from a backhaul perspective, there's arguments that you could sit there, you could provide that, no question. The issue is, is going to be how rampant that is, and is that going to be a one-off or a pervasive type of solution overall? I think that's still to be determined. Any question? Yes. 
<laughs> Any other questions? Uh, no, sorry. Uh, You know, so the question is, on, from a regulatory government perspective, uh, and a lot of discussion on 5G, wh where does it stand? You know, you know, again, not taking a specific political position one way or another, I would sit there going, if the U.S. Is, wants to remain very high on that technology curve and move on those areas, we've got to stay competitive and drive that as fast as possible. To, and there are other countries who are deploying 5G at a faster rate. And so... As we all know from an innovation perspective, to the questions that have been raised before, you're not going to know what some of those killer applications or solutions are going to be unless you have a pervasive network to drive those types of things. So I think that's going to be one that's going to push that. I think there's obviously opportunities to do it in contained areas overall. And hopefully this is not a political position one way or another, but pushing on that innovation is going to be really important for us to drive and remain competitive. Is a question? Yeah. Fair enough, yeah. So, so the question is, is there a there on kind of 5G and from an industry perspective, or is more hype? Yeah? yeah. I, I think time will tell overall. Uh, obviously, you put in more capacity, you put in better latency, people figure out what those type of solutions are. From a use case perspective, where we have heard people were sitting there going, hey, I definitely need 5G and Wi-Fi 6 would not help me in those areas, is actually in agricultural areas or models. When I'm talking about remote devices, things of that nature, and I need that precision, they have found and, and done some testing where they believe that 5G is the solution for that in that area. And you've got more of a spread where you're not going to find maybe necessarily Wi-Fi 6 is going to be uh, as successful in those areas. So the latency from a command and control of those devices, that equipment, things of that nature, has got to be very spot on right in those areas. So that would be an example that we know one of the industries has talked about has, has been of good value. How far does that extend to the other areas? I think those are the things that are still the chapters to be written. We had a question over there, yes? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so the question is, and, and let me paraphrase and see if I've got it. Is for Amazon AWS, from a radio perspective, are there areas, specific areas, to innovate and, and develop and drive those type of solutions? Right. <clears throat> my, my personal belief is 100% yes. So, so 
so again, when you think about it, um, and we're partnering with Amazon with a couple of clients is, again, that backend core, which has been a traditional hardware-based solution overall, you can open that out and virtualize that core and have that core distributed overall, and there's really good economics behind that. I think the area that you're going to see uh, with Amazon cloud-based solutions overall is if you think about, again, and this is not just 5G RAN, but multiple radio-based solutions, is if I have a virtual RAN on the edge side in that area, how is that managing that? Both from an antenna perspective, which antenna am I using, the quality of service, the security that ties into that type of solution in those areas. Because again, what you're going to have is, as the proliferation of IoT continues to go out there, those become the higher security risks. So if you think about from a VRAN perspective and you can manage it from that perspective overall, <clears throat> that becomes an interesting solution too. So that, that would be for me one illustrative example of where Amazon AWS can partner with people from a network deployment perspective to have a very, very different model. And again, I think the, from a wireless perspective, a lot has been done from a consumer perspective. From an SMB enterprise government perspective, there's a lot of fertile ground to drive solutions tied to that. Any other last questions? Yes. Yeah, so the, so the question is, we talk about a lot of architecture, but not all from a standards perspective overall. Um, you know, that's tricky. So uh, standard bodies groups are very difficult to navigate through in these areas, are, can be low and long in timing to drive those type of solutions. Uh, our, our belief is there's enough standardization right now to, to innovate and drive disruptions. Clearly, you could have, at very specific areas, more specifications to advance those things, but you're gonna have, in, and this happens with many standard bodies groups, different views and rationalizations for supporting or not supporting it overall, right? So from our perspective, we tend to stay a, a level above that and figure out where we can add value more immediately. Any other questions? Thank you guys for your time. I hope you have a good conference for the rest of the time there. Come to the third floor. We've got a, a session up there and there's food. Thank you again.